Tate Chronicles now transmitting. Welcome to the Tate Chronicles on Healthcare Now Radio. And now, here's your host, Jim Tate. Good day, citizens of the free world, from border to border, coast to coast, and to all the ships at sea, I bring you a warm welcome. This is your correspondent, Jim Tate, and thank you for tuning in to the Tate Chronicles. Join me as we cut through the fog that exists at the leading edge of healthcare technology. I'm very pleased today. My guest is Carter Groom. Carter is the CEO of First Health Advisory. First Health is a global risk management and digital transformation advisory firm really focused on uh, the assurance, security, privacy, technology, and efficiency needs of healthcare. Carter, welcome to the Tate Chronicles. Well, Jim, you know, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be on the Tate Chronicles and uh, appreciate uh, the, the the topic of the day. Exactly. And the topic of the day really is we're going to be talking about the state of cybersecurity in healthcare. I know that uh, First Health Advisory is a lead sponsor for the upcoming Chime online event titled The State of Cybersecurity in Healthcare. It's a virtual summit, February the 8th. And Carter, the discussion you're leading is uh, was kind of fascinating to me. It's We the People Seek Cyber Health Initiatives Call to Action. So I know we've seen, that's a good place to start, we've seen incentives for uh, healthcare uh, technology adoption uh, and, and now for the use of that certified technology but this really is the first time I've heard of potential incentives uh, based on cybersecurity practices. What can you tell us about this? Who's behind this? This is all new to me. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of us in the field are familiar uh, with meaningful use and, and, and what its role was and, and what it's done for the industry. But when you think about cybersecurity and you think about the posture in general, the hygiene of healthcare providers and uh, overall care providers in the United States, we are woefully deficient um, in, in terms of our resilience and preparedness for attacks. And you've seen it in the news. It, it feels like Groundhog Day every day, every yeah. week, every year, you know, in terms of well-known large health systems being attacked all the way down to critical access, small and rural hospitals being attacked. And so the, these ideas around incentives have been kind of percolating in Washington uh, for some time, you know, pre-pandemic with AMA and, and CHIME and HIMSS and some other associations talking about these ideas. There have been studies, uh, you know, about patient outcome impacts of ransomware, uh, you know, more specifically the diversion of care that results from ransomware or supply chain attacks that have started to really raise awareness beyond our little bubble of, of security practitioners in this field, uh, you know, to, to Congress, to Senate, to executive uh, members and you know they they recognize something needs to be done um, there, there's a group called the healthcare sector coordinating council that works with and advises health and human services which is a sector risk management agency uh, that have been putting out ideas as well and, and we're trying to kind of harmonize that's the buzzy word in town you know harmonize how we get 
after some type of baseline or, or some type of, uh, you know, bottom, you know, hygiene uh, to, to move the needle here and, and getting the executive branch on board as well as the legislative branch uh, is, is really important in this initiative. And because I'm here, Jim, in, in D.C., uh, and we advise nearly one-sixth of the nation's care providers on cyber matters, I've been doing all I can to amplify that message. It really got a boost from Senator Warner and his staff mm-hmm. when they submitted a paper, kind of a request for information on RFI in November of last year, uh, a paper called Cybersecurity is Patient Safety. And they, they hit the nail on the head with that. And it covered a smorgasbord of issues, you know, related to cyber, related to privacy, related to preparedness uh, or our lack thereof. That included incentives. It included workforce challenges, how we modernize HIPAA, if there should be, you know, something done at a national cyber level. Uh, and, And that paper was really a milestone, Jim, in giving legitimacy to the idea that incentives or motivation to act could be a viable path to improving critical infrastructure and the resilience of the healthcare ecosystem. So there's there's real movement here, uh, and and I'm I'm proud to be a part of that because it's definitely needed. You know, over, over the last few years, as uh, I guess it was the the meaningful use incentive program that really uh, stimulated uh, and increased the percentage of providers that were using electronic health records. Um, And so as part of that uh, incentive package, uh, everybody, whether it was a single provider or a large hospital system, um, had to attest that they had done a security risk analysis. Now, what was acceptable as a security risk analysis varied extremely widely, certainly very frequently was not considered, um, you know, a true uh, risk analysis. It was just more or less checking a box. Um, And so, you know, uh, best practices, how will, how will those best practices, you know, whether it's going to be very different from a large uh, healthcare system to a a, uh, provider practice with, with two two or three providers, but how are those practices going to be defined? Who's, how's this going to be determined? <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the million dollar questions or, yeah. or even more dollars uh, associated with that question. Uh, you know, and some of us are calling it the baseline, some mm-hmm. call it minimum viable security practices, but we have to come to consensus you know, on, on, on what those practices are in, in, in technologies, the, you know, the tools associated with that, the policies associated with it, et cetera. And, you know, there's been a lot of great work that's been done in this area from 405D uh, in that program, uh, mm-hmm. the health sector coordinating council that I've mentioned that have come out with guidance. Uh, there, there's newer guidance around the NIST cybersecurity framework that's going to come out that's specific to healthcare. Uh, you know, CISA has gotten involved, and of course, HHS uh, as a sector risk management agency is starting to, you know, try and figure out well what is that baseline. And and so I'll go back to that word harmonization, 
that's being thrown around. What we need to do, number one, is figure out how all these different agencies and, and stakeholders can come together and agree on what that is. Uh, because, you know, everyone you know, has a, a little bit of a different flavor of what is going to reduce the most risk in this sector. Uh, you know, if you're talking to a medical device manufacturer, if you're talking to a, mm -hmm. a security platform vendor, if you're talking to a, a government policy, you know, expert, you're talking to a HIPAA security or privacy, everyone's going to have a little bit of a different view of what that baseline should be. But it's my belief that whatever it ends up being, it's got to be effective and it's got to not create undue burden on the providers that are ultimately seeking these incentives, whether they're a critical access hospital, you know, small rural facility, all the way up to the largest health systems in the world. Uh, you know, so we've got to strike that balance. And that's a that's a real challenge. But it's it's being discussed. And I think if there is energy behind the incentives that that we're talking about, there will be uh, people will be at the ready to help figure out what that baseline is. You know, when we talk about cybersecurity, in the way that we're talking about it now, Carter, are, are we talking about protection from bad actors or are we also including things about uh, having good backups and redundancy of technology, things like that? Yeah, I, all of the above, okay. right? So, so bad actors, uh, you know, nation state actors that are trying to just harvest information from the United States and hold on to it all the way to just being resilient, you know, as, as a healthcare provider, right? You know, the, the concern uh, is moving from, you know, the, the, I guess the exfiltration of PHI, right? Mm -hmm. In data, uh, which, you know, yeah, that's still effective to lock that up and, and get a ransom. But the bigger concern now, Jim, is around patient safety. Right? Do you feel safe going into your healthcare provider or that health system, uh, knowing that you know the, the devices that you're going to be connected to, the the you know the actual assets that are running that health system and so dependent on technology are going to be operational? Because if they're not, and there's been a lot of studies out there now, well, not a lot. There's been some good studies out there that are saying. When, when these systems are not available to provide care because uh, that health system or that provider has been hit by ransomware, that diversion or, of care or the unavail unavailability is impacting patient outcomes. I mean, they're having serious uh, impacts to patient, what I, you know, I call morbidity, right? If, if right. your care is delayed, sure. if you have a cancer treatment and it's delayed by a month, what impact does that have uh, on, on the outcome of health. And so that's, it's a very real and tangible uh, impact that it's having. And that's where I think when we talked about the Warner paper, uh, it's rightly focused on patient safety because it's, it's exposed right now. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the bad uh, actor uh, domain. So, uh, you know, a ransomware attack ma makes sense. We're going to lock up your database un unless unless you uh, send me some bitcoins, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, um, 
I know they say the first thing you should do if, if that happens, probably I believe is contact the FBI. And what kind of what, what kind of advice uh, are uh, or is it just uh, case by case as to what a large health system should do if they're attacked and their data is locked up? Yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, every, everybody, you know, kind of has a different posture right now. Certainly contact yes. the FBI is important. And, and I would say even before that, building a relationship with your local FBI office. So when you get attacked, you know, the first time you're calling them is it, it, that that's, well, that's not the first time you're calling them. Um, but mm -hmm. we, we implore organizations, you know, in terms of one of the first, what I you know call best practices to do is think about your disaster recovery planning. Think about your incident response and, and, you know, how you're going to respond to that. And it's not just the IT department and the security department. It's your entire health system. And so clinicians, how are they going to respond if they're going to downtime procedures? How are operations going to respond if the devices sure. are, are not available? How is the executive team going to respond? How are you going to communicate that out to the community and your patients? So you need to practice that in advance, you know, of, of that happening because it's a very real possibility that it is. And if your organization thinks, well, we're doing all the right things, there's no way it's going to happen to us. I think that's a, a really precarious position to put your organization in. You have to assume <laughs> that something's going to happen. And if it doesn't, that's great. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's, you know, all kinds of challenges right now with ransomware, breaches, supply chain attacks, and sure. it may not be because of the things that you're doing. It might be because of a vendor uh, has been breached that you actually are, are paying the price. And so when we think about third party risk, that's a huge, huge issue in the healthcare industry right now. Well, you, you know, we we have see, uh, seen that. Um, I don't know if we, uh, I'm not aware of the healthcare sector, but uh, and I believe uh, in some of the industrial sectors who maybe are, are relying on third-party software, somebody hacks the third-party software, and then when the upgrade occurs, it automatically infiltrates, you know, the, the target. Um, we, we talked a little bit about ransomware, uh, but um, for somebody to come in and actually take data, what do they want? What are they looking for if they take data? I know they don't care if I have diabetes. Is it identity theft, getting social security numbers, things like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's still an element, Jim, mm -hmm. that, that's out there. Uh, I, I don't think, you know, where we were a couple of years ago, it's as important to the malicious actors out there to take that data uh, necessarily for ransom. It's It's not you know, a thousand dollars per record that you hear, but it, it, you know, I, yeah. I, I can't believe when you go onto the dark web, you know, or the, you know, the black market that you're going to buy uh, patient records for more than a couple cents. Right. So it's, it, it's not that it's just the act of locking up the availability of information that is going to precipitate getting paid because you can't provide care. So it, it, it goes back to, the, the patient safety issue, but also the ability to deliver care that is is compelling these ransom payments. 
in, in, but there's still this element of harvesting data, mm -hmm. uh, even if it's encrypted to harvest it, because if, if you look forward to what what I believe quantum computing is going to, uh, you know, almost negate encryption as we know it today, some countries or organizations that are malicious are harvesting that data in the event that in the future, they'll be able to de-encrypt it and, and start to use it against us for many different reasons that don't necessarily include monetary gain, right? And so there's so many different reasons why the data is still important. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I think just right now, being able to lock it up so that there's no availability of that data is, is not allowing those health systems to provide care. And that's that's where the real, you know, I think the real risk is. Um, to our audience, if you're just joining this episode, I'm Jim Tate. And on this episode of the Tate Chronicles, I'm speaking with Carter Groom of First Health Advisory. And the topic is cybersecurity. Carter, tell me a little bit about First Health. Who are your clients? Are they health systems, insurance companies? Who do you work with? Yeah, we, you know, we are 100% focused on healthcare entities and mm -hmm. a big portion of that is your more traditional integrated delivery networks your your health delivery organizations uh you know all the way from sort of critical access small and rural hospitals which in the cyber community we call them the have-nots right they, they don't have the expertise the resources the dollars to really even do anything uh, about security, privacy, and, and enterprise risk. Uh, so we serve that sector all the way up to the largest health systems in the world that need help and need guidance uh, in these particular areas. We serve government entities like the VA, the, the military health system, or the defense health agency. Uh, it, we also help subacute facilities. We help ambulatory care facilities, large physician practices, and even retail health organizations that are, are getting into the game. And you, you know the big you know, players there, Walgreens, CVS, mm -hmm. Walmart, they all need uh, to, to understand the risk uh, as they deliver care. Uh, and and you know, what we are helping them do is build that into every uh, you know, digital initiative that they have to, to think about security, to think about risk, to think about privacy. Uh, and that's, you know, that's really what we're advocating. And I'm seeing now even more opportunity, Jim, in the health and wellness area, uh, virtual care that's really proliferated in the last two to three years because sure. of the pandemic, and then hospital at home. So when you think about putting devices into your home, uh, to provide that care that's been traditionally provided in clinics or, or hospitals, that's where the ecosystem or the footprint of, of uh, you know, exposure has expanded to. And, and so those are the types of organizations that we are advising across the board. It seems that uh, there's kind of a transition going on that the concern has shifted really from health data really to uh, patients and the availability uh, of care uh, from ransom and supply chain attacks. So it, it's, it seems like there's an evolution, kind of a constant evolution. 
in in the uh, potential risk? You know, unequivocally, and you know, we we talked about it a little bit before, but I think that's where the real concern is, and that's where. When, when we talked about Congress, we talked about the executive branch getting involved is, look, if you're a consumer, if you're a patient of a healthcare system, of a clinic, and you don't feel safe uh, because those particular organizations are not motivated to, to protect <laughs> your, your, you know, your care and, and if you're being treated by them, that's a massive problem. That's a massive issue. And uh, so I, I think that's rightly where the focus is, is, you know, how are we protecting patient safety? Because it's it's definitely exposed in the in the current state of cyber affairs and our current health sector posture. Uh, Carter, it seems that cybersecurity is really not only about technology and process and the vulnerability is often uh, improperly trained staff. You know, if, if somebody's uh, sitting in an office somewhere and an email comes in and says, uh, this is a funny cat video, and they click on it, that could cause big troubles. So obviously, some type of education needs to occur in terms of best practice, what to do, and more importantly, maybe what not to do. Oh, unequivocally, Jim, education and awareness you should should never cease to be a top priority in any organization I- anywhere uh, because that is that's your weakest link. You could do everything right, right. Uh, you know in, in an organization, but you just have to have that one person click on a link that gives that malicious actor access uh, you know to the organization. And, and so that's what makes it so hard <laughs> is you can be doing, everything right. You can't yes. be following every best practice. You can have all the money in the world, but that one person just wants to, you know, jump on that link and they, they've probably been told not to, but the more awareness and education that you do, uh, the, the better. And I can tell you that, you know, as we advocate here in Washington, D.C., workforce incentives or subsidies or, or, or ideas around building a, a stronger cyber health workforce is at the top of the list. Absolutely. We recognize that there's not enough talent in this industry to meet the demands and the challenges that we're facing right now. And, and a lot of times other sectors that can pay more money, uh, you know, are, are, are taking the best and brightest from healthcare. And, and it's a problem. And I think that's, you know, another major point of exposure that we have in this sector. And, and that's what, you know, we're advocating for. And, and I think the rest of the industry should be doing is, you know, how do we get more, uh, you know, individuals interested in cyber health? You know, and uh, th- that type of low level attack that we uh, just kind of mentioned, somebody clicking on a link, Almost anybody can stage one of those attacks. They're very low level. Doesn't require a lot of sophistication. Um, to me, that's that's pretty scary. Um, before we totally run out of time, Carter, how can our listeners find out more about the service, services provided by First Health Advisory? Well, it is certainly our website, firsthealthadvisory.com. We're on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, we are doing all we can to bring awareness to this challenge, to this issue. And, and, and I think importantly, to get the message out beyond our smaller 
community of, of security practitioners and CIOs and, and, and IT professionals into the, 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 the heads and the minds of CFOs and CEOs of health systems and the general public, Jim. You know, if the general public were aware of the risks that yes. they face from a cyber perspective, I think they'd be more concerned. And I don't want to scare everybody. I'm not a fear and uncertainty and doubt type of guy, but I, I think awareness at the general public level could put pressure on our policymakers to actually do something. We need incentives. There's probably uh, a, a, an updated, uh, you know, regulatory uh, approach needed when we think about HIPAA. Uh, that was primarily a privacy-based plan, and it's 20 years old. It's not addressing the current cybersecurity needs of our sector today. So, when you think about all those things, uh, you know, certainly there's a lot of work to be done. I am encouraged by what what we're talking about here today. But, you know, the more aware the public is, uh, I think the better off uh, the chances are that we actually make some things happen here. Well, I think uh, in terms of education, I'd like to mention again that First Health Advisory is a uh, lead sponsor of the upcoming CHIME online event titled State of Cybersecurity and Healthcare. It's a virtual summit on February the 8th. Um, I'm certainly going to be in attendance, uh, and attendees can register at the Chime website, which is chimecentral.org, C-H-I-M-E central.org. To our audience, thanks for joining me on this episode of the Take Chronicles. I offer a special salute to my guest today, Carter Groom of First Health Advisory. Carter, thanks for coming aboard today. Jim, th thank you so much for uh, allowing me this platform and, and being able to amplify the message uh, that we're wanting to convey. Yep, thank you. You can find more information on this show's program page at healthcarenowradio.com. Until we meet again, here's wishing you smooth sailing and safe harbors. Tate Chronicles transmission ending now.